Ladies and gentlemen, this is your places call. All right, everybody, back to one. Stand by lights one and sound one. Camera speeding. Audio speeding. Lights and sound. Go. And action. Guess who's back? Me! Welcome <laughs> back to Pretend World's Real People. I, I promise I am one of your hosts, even though I've been gone for the last two episodes. My name is Stephanie. And my name is Tyler, and it's like a soap opera when that character comes back from a long <laughs> vacation from the first half of the season and is back with a vengeance. Uh, <laughs> back from very long days of work, I assume. Yes, um, yes. So uh, uh, my show opened December 17th, and the two weeks leading up to that opening, I was working 12 to 16 hours a day so uh it was a lot um and I had no way of of on my on my days off I did chores and errands and tried to sleep and then on my not days off I could not do anything else so I appreciate Tyler handling interviews without me I know you all missed me so much uh but here I am back again yeah I was I was very terrible (laughs) It's so it's so <laughs> no, weird. You were not. It's so you did great. Weird. Uh it's like it's like it's like um I don't know, being part of a of a temporary divorce and be like, no kids, it's okay. Like dad's gonna take you to the zoo. <laughs> we're, we're gonna be fine. We're gonna be fine. Don't worry about it. Uh no, it was um you know, just we had a lot of uh, not a lot, but we had a couple interviews within the span of you know the time frame that you were doing prep work for the show. So of course it was going to be you know more of a, all right. I'm going to be in and out. Maybe we'll make it, maybe not. But luckily and thankfully, you are back and uh, you look well rested. I hope you you got some sleep. I literally uh, on the 18th we didn't have a show until that night. I slept so much I like Watson obviously made me get up uh and eat and go for a walk and then I got back into bed and I like slept till noon and which I never do it was just it, yeah it's and it's been weird like I've been sleeping normally I'm up at seven o'clock guys yes I know I'm that's very early and I'm weird but I've been sleeping into like 7 45 this whole oh. past week so clearly I'm um I'm still recovering but um Yes, I'm things are things are good. The show's going well so far. So good, good. And fingers crossed, no, no shutdowns in in yeah, uh, in Denver, at least for your show. Yes, uh, we need entertainment and movies just came back. So like, let's let's just, you know, wear your just, masks. Yeah, wear your mask. OK, don't be a dick. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so. I don't even know where I was going with that. There's no tangent or segue. <laughs> to go from. Let's just do it. Let's, who, who do we have this week, Tyler? Let's just do it. Who do we have? I'll tell you who we have. We have somebody that really stood out to me in uh, one of my favorite films of this year, which is Last Night in Soho, directed by the incredible Edgar Wright. And, uh, you know, there will be spoilers for the movie, obviously, moving into this episode, because we're going to talk about production and and what our guest today uh, did during that production and what her experience was like. And, um, yeah, it was just, uh, it was really cool seeing her in the film that we'd reach out, see if she'd like to be a part of the show. And thankfully, uh, she did. And it was super awesome. I will say I am kind of like super hyper 
slash half asleep for this episode. So there's a lot of stammering and a lot of, uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think this guest is just incredibly sweet with her, uh, with her time and somebody that I think we can all relate to, especially in this time where things are very unsure and, uh, we just, we, we need to create something. So we get a chance to talk to her more about that. But yeah, uh, let's bring in Amy Cassatari. All righty. So, Miss Amy Cassatari, how are you doing this lovely, well, I was going to say day. It is evening over uh, where you are, right? <laughs> yeah, it is, it is 5.30 in the evening. Yeah, I'm well, thank you. I'm good. good. Um, slowly winding down for Christmas, which is nice. So, yeah, I'm feeling good today. We're all in that mindset, right? <laughs> it's not think about work. Well, most yeah. people, so I think about work. Let's get through the holidays, have fun, and then kind of go back. <laughs> um, so, if you wouldn't mind telling our listeners, uh, I mean, I I know who you are. That's that's how I, I reached out. Uh, but if you would mind telling our listeners who you are and what you do. Yeah. So um, I'm Amy Casatori. Um, I am an actor. Um, in a previous life, I worked production, so maybe we'll speak about that because um, I think it all kind of goes full circle. Um, my most recent credits last night in Soho, um, which is a Edgar Wright's new film, which is pretty cool. So it was a joy to be a part of that. Um, and I trained at Royal Welsh, which is a quite a prestigious drama college here. So I did a master's. Um, and I've just been kind of knocking around for the last few years, auditioning, um, doing a bit of my own work. I run a production company with my friend called Scripted. So before the pandemic, we were doing theatre stuff. And now we've kind of diversified a bit into sort of the TV film kind of screen world. So, um, yeah, I can expand on that as the conversation builds, I guess. So, yeah, in a nutshell, that's me. Awesome. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> I want to hear about your production stuff for, for sure, because I always I'm, you know, I'm the back backstage person. So I always like hearing about that. Was it production in theatre or film or both? So I did my BA and I did a theatre degree. So we did actually do some stage production stuff. So I stage managed, I mean, not on the level that you obviously are at, but I stage managed a show for, I think they were like third year when we were in second year. Um, so kind of know about the stage management side of things, not in any real detail, but hat off to you. Um, and then production stuff. So the university that I went to when I did my undergrad, they had connections with the BBC. And they rented some, opposite our campus, they rented some buildings and they filmed this daytime show called Doctors. So I don't know if you're aware of it, but it's kind of a bit of a rite for passage. Like when people come out of drama school, it's mostly kind of like your first job for a lot of people. Um, they hire loads of actors every year because there's like loads of guest parts. So I went and did some work experience for them whilst at university. And then in my third year, did some more work experience, then got offered a job. So I ended up staying in Birmingham, which is where I went to uni, um, for like two or three years after. So I did uh, production running, a script secretary, research, and then ended up coming back to London and then ended up working for Left Bank, you make the crown. Um, so at that point, they were like five or six years kind of into their sort of, um, you know, making things. Um, so it was pretty much in its infancy. So it's quite an exciting sort of place to be and learn a lot. So, yeah, and then ended up finishing there and then retraining to become an actor. So, um, but yeah, it goes full circle because I then ended up doing an episode of Doctors as an actor um, a couple <laughs> of years later. So, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I, yeah, so I have a, lot, a big appreciation and a good understanding of production stuff. And I think it's really useful, 
as an actor to have that side to you even just in terms of like basic stuff like agents and literary stuff and writing an email um you know and who you should be approaching and what you should be saying I think I definitely learned a lot from those years and I can apply to what that to what I do now yeah would you say I mean it's it's interesting studying you know performance and then working on the production side do you think that maybe gives you a little more um confidence approaching you know roles and auditions now as you know a performer to know how those things are working and it's less uh I don't say it's less less anxiety inducing but you know you understand the process of it do you think it it Mm. changed your approach for the better or is it sort of the same I definitely think it it's a positive because I think having seen it so from the seed of which you know something in the tv and film world it's an idea they might have optioned a book they might approach a writer how it can go very much from a treatment all the way through to it being made and seeing that process um and I saw that across a lot of projects at left bank and some stuff that was made and some stuff that wasn't made some stuff that still hasn't been made like and is still kind of whirling around their development department is really useful and I think also as an actor it's useful because I think when you don't hear back or when you think oh I recalled for that thing and I still not heard but I'm on hold or whatever I think you then understand more like the inner workings of it all and 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 the bigger picture like what's going on um so I think it definitely reduces the anxiety of it all (laughs) and and also sometimes as well like I think you you know you want to hear don't you if you've auditioned for something and like where what stage you're at and I think it having that knowledge definitely makes me like not email my agent or like pick up the phone or, or anything And a lot of friends that are actors, often we have this conversation and I say, well, it could be because of X, Y, or Z. And they're like, oh, right, I didn't know that. So I like to impart my wisdom on fellow acting friends who, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) because I feel their anxiety. (laughs) (laughs) Is it pretty uncommon to kind of do production stuff before being an actor? Do you feel like you're... It, it was it, you're in a unique situation because you had that experience or do a lot of people do that I think it is quite a unique thing I mean I've never met anyone that's gone by the production route and then become an actor um I mean there probably are people I mean I don't know what it's like in the states but the main route here really is like you either go to university you get an undergrad and then you do a master's like a, a, a accredited drama school like what I did or you maybe leave school um, and you go and do go again go to drama school or you don't train and you're lucky and you just start working and you get jobs um, so that's kind of like the natural tra- tra- trajectory here um, so yeah I think my situation is unique but I think I like to sort of see it as a bit of something to have in my armor because I definitely met amazing people and I have amazing contacts and you know, some of which this day I've been able to like draw upon and, you know, hoped at some point in the future I might be able to work with those people, um, you know, in a different capacity. But um, yeah, I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely unique. It's not, it's, not, um, it's not sort of the done thing here, I don't think. And also as well, I think for a long time when I worked in that world, I knew that I wanted to act, but it was, a, it was quite a brave thing to sort of step away from a full-time job in a kind of, in, in an amazing place like working at a place like left bank um you know I, anyone my age would have like pinched themselves to work there um 
you know, because you are, you're surrounded by these amazing people that are making these amazing shows. But I just knew instinctively that it, it wasn't for me and that kind of going on that path wasn't the right path for me. So I did feel like I had a bit of like imposter syndrome, I guess, like the last year or so that I was there. And I was just like, I need to do something about this. And I actually think the catalyst was there was a moment there when um, they were starting to cast for a new show called Outlander, which I think is quite big in the States. Yeah, yeah. And the, sh- and the showrunner, I'm going to say his name wrong, but I think it's, is it Ron Moore, Ronald Moore? He was, I think I've said that right, so apologies if I haven't. Someone will correct us. Um, <laughs> he, was, he was over in the office casting. And I think I just fleetingly seen him or like, you know, as you do, it was quite amorphous. And um, he asked if I would read for something and obviously completely untrained. Like, yes, I had a drama, drama degree, but it wasn't practical. I hadn't had training. Um, and he said, would you read for something? So I ended up going to read for a part that eventually went to somebody else. But I think that was the catalyst moment of when I was like, okay, maybe I could give this a go. Like, if I want to do this, I need to take this seriously. And whilst this has been amazing, I need to go and train. And actually he sent me an email saying that, um, you know, if you want to take this seriously, you have something that, you know, you should go and train. So sometimes you meet people like that and they're sort of, you know, light the fire inside you, as, as, you know, as I should say. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's something I don't think uh, every actor may have, but I think most do. And it's that sort of, adolescent confirmation from somebody of a a certain ilk or build that says hey you have something but you could have so much more if you really like hunker down go to classes you know pay for Mm -hmm. workshops that sort of thing and is that something you're you're still continuously doing like uh, studying in classes or uh, maybe virtual training are you still trying to really hone in your your skills to this day yeah I think it's really important I mean when I came out when I graduated from Royal Welsh I didn't finish with an agent um and I had previously been involved with a really amazing um thing here called the actors class so they're like weekend and evening workshops and they're I think they go beginners intermediate advanced and then at the time the lady that runs it was doing a showcase but I think that's kind of finished maybe due to COVID and I think she's also an actor herself so she's um a West End performer so she's been in the show um so I basically prior to drama school did that and I returned to that after drama school. Um, but there's lots of amazing things. I think probably more so when I finished drama school, I did. Um, there's another thing here called the Actors Guild. So um, they have like casting workshops and definitely during COVID I did quite a few because um, I think whilst those workshops are great and you can learn from people seeing other people's things, I think I got to the point where I was like, I'm in a room for like three or four hours and I'm not sure how well this is serving me. Hmm. Like I've done my bit for 15 minutes and yes, it's great, but sometimes the stand, the level and the standard wasn't quite high enough to for me to be able to learn stuff. Um, so in the end, I stopped doing those. Just my train of thought there. Um, so yeah, so yeah, I do continue to do them. So yes, yeah, sorry, during COVID, I did quite a few of those because they were one-to-one sessions online. Um, so then you get just your time with that casting director and I think you can get redirected a bit more um, and they were good actually they were paid for workshops probably a bit much like the states um, it's all paid for stuff but fairly like reasonable value and I actually ended up getting a few tapes off the back of those um, through my agent through casting directors that I'd met during COVID through these sort of like you know they'd send the sides out you learn the sides and you and you read it a couple of times so yeah I think it's really important 
um, to, to keep training. And I mean, I know there's a massive thing for that in the States, isn't there? I don't think you guys ever really stop training. I think sometimes <laughs> in England we can be a bit lazy. <laughs> well, I, it, it, there's, there's, there's two sides to that sword. You know, I feel like we look at the UK and how much training you go through and the fact that you go to drama school and, you know, you, you get this very professional training. We feel like these sort of, I don't know, uh, <laughs> like desert based orphans, just like, Hey, uh, I heard this guy's teaching a class over here, but didn't he? Yeah. But you know, that person, you know, it, there's just, there's, um, a, a web of networking here that is incredibly different. You can, you know, take Stanislavski, Stan, I can't even, flipping say it today <laughs> stanislavski classes good lord yeah. uh or meisner or something like that but uh yeah we look over at the uk and we go oh man those are those are performers <laughs> it's 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 all a myth it's all a myth <laughs> trust me trust me trust me once you're once you're on the inside you're like hmm. <laughs> not not slating yeah. it but i think it is it's like i think it's like any university thing and also i went to drama school when i was 28 so I was a bit older and I was probably one of the eldest in my year, far a few of us. And I think you just see it through different eyes. Like had I've gone there as like a kind of, you know, naive kind of 18 year old straight out of school, I'd have thought it was the best thing ever. But seeing it through adult eyes, it was it was different. It was it was challenging. Definitely. Obviously, it should be because it's, you know, it's training. But um, yeah, it's a myth. It's all a myth. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the accents i should have known i should have known oh, yeah. <laughs> so what was the process in in getting hired and or cast in last night in soho and like mm -hmm. kind of nailing this really big movie that's gotten great reviews and stuff um well first of all i have a very small part so you've you've been very kind there um <laughs> but Still. I have a small part in a big film so I'll take that thanks um the process so um through an agent so basically I don't know what it's like in the state but there's a platform here called Spotlight mm -hmm. so I think casting directors will either go straight to agents depending on who you are and what the project is or they post stuff on Spotlight so obviously my agent submitted to me so the first time I met I had an audition with Martin Ware who um, is Nina Gold's associate who's like a huge prolific casting director here and she does a lot of American stuff so she was the, they were the casting team on it um, so I went and met Martin at Working Title because they uh, are involved in the film from the production side um, and it was strange because I'd never auditioned for something that was a non-speaking part and normally if you audition for something that's non-speaking like they sometimes send you like dummy sides and you done sides and you you know you you kind of, you know, you um, make a choice and you show an element of that character verbally. But it was really odd. I got the scenes and obviously I knew she was on speaking and the breakdown was just a couple of lines and I was like, okay, right, here we go. So it felt really weird because I had no, I didn't really do any prep. Like I practiced a couple of times maybe how I thought I could, you know, display what that character was feeling and the, and the, the, and the beats of those scenes. So yeah, I met Martin and I think we did it a couple of times maybe didn't hear anything for like two weeks and then I then got a recall that was at Ealing Studios which is um this a big studios here which is they part shot some of last night in Soho um and I was thinking about this earlier I went to the recall and I don't think I knew it was with Nina and Edgar I don't think the information had been trickled through properly 
And I think actually in some ways it was a blessing. So Nina Gold came and picked me up and I'd loosely met her before, but I was like, she's not gonna remember me. Um, and she took me through to this huge sound stage. It was just like, obviously they needed a room and this is what they were using. And it was like all, I don't know, I can't even describe to you, like the walls were covered in blue. Like, I don't know what was going on in there. I was like, okay, here we go. And then Edgar was there, um, you know, them too tiny with this little tripod. Um, so I had my recall and we just tried it a few different ways. And it was really nice to meet him because obviously it's his script, it's his idea, it was his vision. Um, and it was quite quick. He's very clear. He knew what he wanted. We did a couple of takes and then that was it. And then I think about two weeks later, I heard that I'd got the part. So that was in... That was must have been in like the April, the May of 2019. So it was a long time ago. Um, and then the journey of that really was, well, first of all, dyeing my hair. I've blonde hair. Um, <laughs> so when they offered it to me, they were like, my agent was like, you've been offered this part, doesn't it? She's like, but the only caveat is that um, they want you to dye your hair brown. And um, it was my first about drama school and I was excited. So I was just like, yeah, I'll go, go, go for it. Um, but the irony is that um, I ended up going back and doing quite a few reshoots on it and they used a wig for the final few bits so everything everything in the movie is a wig so um, yeah so next time I've decided now if I ever am asked to change my hair it's a wig always um, so yeah so me and my agent always laugh about it she's like is your hair in the film I was like no no it's a bloody wig so um, yeah well, I, I, uh, I'm going to, I think, well, this is in the future. In the past, I said this in the intro, um, <laughs> that there will be spoilers for last <laughs> night in Soho. Uh, I had to think about that for a second, but, uh, yeah, spoiler in case you're listening, pause, watch the movie and then come back. But, uh, you know, you obviously play the, uh, you know, the, the visage, the spirit of Ellie's deceased mother and appear in reflections and, you know, you don't have any lines in the movie, but. I often think that's even more challenging because you everything comes through your face and how you're standing and and what you're emitting. And uh, last night, so I'll be honest, is one of my favorite movies of of this year. So when I was reaching out, you know, and I reached out to your agent, I'm like I just I want to see one what your story is, and two, if you had sort of any prep work to you know physically and nonverbally emote this character through reflections in what I assume is a, a fairly technical scene right were you actually in the room for say like the opening scene when when ellie's dancing and then you appear were you there or were you put in um sort of in a in a cutaway how exactly was that working it's funny because i was thinking about this because basically all the stuff i shot i reshot in the end i think because there was a problem with the camera angle on one of them there was actually one scene that was cut that was outside and edgar was like i think it's just a bit too much like and I wasn't in the end. They put me back in the end. So spoiler, um, Edgar wanted to kind of like round the character arc off and the journey of that. And he said that possibly her, the character didn't really like, not that it didn't make sense, like everybody knew what it was, but he felt like there needed a beat or a moment at the end. Um, but in terms of preparation, yeah, it's an odd one. I mean, interestingly, when I went back the second time, I actually had quite a detailed conversation with Edgar. Um, but we did speak about the scene, obviously, before I did it the first few times. So the first, so the first times, yes, I was in the room with um, with Thomasin, and she was always there. And then the second time, when I when I reshot stuff, the stuff that is in the film, um, 
I think it's the second time that I appear. So before she goes off to university, Thomasin wasn't in the room. So basically I did the whole of that down the camera lens. I mean, there wasn't a way for her to do it. So yeah. it's cheated basically. So I'm looking in the mirror, but I'm actually looking down the lens of the camera. And I'd never done that before. So it's sort of just like learning on my feet and just doing it as we go. But I think in terms of preparation, I think I'd, I'd try to flesh the character out. And when I spoke to Edgar before I went back to reshoots, we had, uh, yeah, as I said, quite a detailed conversation about the mother and I just did a lot of backstory stuff. I think in a situation like that, that's all you can do. And I do that with a lot of my characters or like when I'm preparing for auditions, like I think the bigger backstory that you've got and the more you feel like you know about this character, the more I think freedom and scale it gives you. So I just did a lot of, back, of, of um, background stuff. And I think Edgar had mentioned to me that, she'd really struggled and like met like with her mental health and you know there were beats in the script I got sent the script so I like tried to pull out as much factual stuff there was and me and the grandmother speaks about her and Ellie speaks about her so I just kind of did that padded it all out um and I mean in terms of practice I mean you can't really practice something like that so I was just like I just need to be really present and and also Edgar's really light on his feet um you know like one of the one of them we did the one I just referenced where I was looking down the camera angle um you know like we must have done about 10 or 20 times like Edgar does a lot of footage he takes a, he does a lot of coverage he takes a lot of takes and you know I was doing stuff and he's like right Amy can we try it this way now you know he's really thinks on his feet and he's responsive and he and he knows what he wants so I think in a situation like that with a non-speaking character it was quite helpful um obviously because you're trying to emote something without words so yeah, that was my preparation, really. I mean, I sound like a bad actor now, having said that I didn't do much prep. No, but I think no. it's, it's, but it's difficult for an unspeaking part, I think. I think unless you, had she have appeared more, I think, and had um, had they actually delved into that backstory of like when um, the Lee Thomas and Ken Mackenzie's character, Ellie, like when she was younger or bigger flashbacks, I think I would have probably had more to go on. But I think just, yeah, I just sort of trusted my instinct and my gut and knew that I was in safe hands with Edgar. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think it's actually incredible and, and speaks volumes to what you're, yeah. you're capable of because like, I, I don't know, so much of acting is if you have another person that you're communicating with in the scene or whatever, you're able to feed off of each other. And when you don't... Um, have that because you're <laughs> not speaking to anyone like it is a lot of work so I think that that's pretty cool thank you I know you know but I think it also yeah. taught me as well that like when we watch things I think you know automatically we think oh my god like that's such an amazing scene like those two people you know and actually the reality of it is that someone's behind the monitor they might actually be out the room they might not even be in the room with you I think it was a really good learning lesson of like any can anything can be thrown at you and you've just got to be like really malleable really responsive responsive and don't panic like you know <laughs> I would just like in some moments I just like just take a deep breath and breathe like you know because it's all it's it's like in the theatre world isn't it you know when you're when you're maybe teching a show or, or in rehearsals and there's all these people around you like it's the same on set particularly in a movie like that I mean I remember I arrived on my first day and they actually shot the first scene on the first day into the second scene that I appear in. And it was really, really amazing. Um, and I had the music up loud and Edgar did a little speech, but it's just like ants. There's just like people everywhere. Um, 
so I think I just learned to kind of just like keep my cool and just be really present and yeah just keep a level head it's all you can do I mean it, it honestly just sounds like looking down the, the lens of a camera for an actor is an incredibly surreal experience right because you're taught so much not to do that look off look away Mm. do not look into the camera and then you're supposed to you know be present at the same time it just it it sounds so uh daunting all at once like hey be realistic be present but at the same Mm. time do not look away from the slides <laughs> yeah it that... kind of goes against all your like instincts because yeah. like as a behave as a real person you don't behave like that like at all like quote unquote the podcast like you know you you don't you don't you know you're not standing there frozen and you know knowing that you can't really move because the camera's you know mid shot wide shot whatever it is like you know it's very technical isn't it but yet, yeah you know good acting on screen comes across as someone that is just like you and I all of us right now having a conversation so um yeah because guys she's just that good <laughs> <laughs> i'm not I, sure about that but thanks. <laughs> i do uh actually i do want to bring up you mentioned you know uh creating your own production company and you know making mm-hmm. short films and other projects how has that been especially during uh, i assume i mean i know you guys aren't on lockdown right now but do you have any projects coming up that you're kind of working on that maybe you uh you want to talk about a little bit more or um, are you in the development phase? Where, where, where are you with that? Yeah. So my partner in crime, um, a fellow actor called Emma James, who I met, I think when I finished at left bank, when I was in a kind of transition phase of auditioning for drama school, um, we did like a little, it was kind of like a summer outreach project somewhere in Oxford. Um, so on a theater project and yeah, we basically, I think we created it out of the need of, we would go to a lot of, I don't know if there's, there's a lot of them in the States, but like open mic nights or yeah. we'd go and yeah, like rehearse readings and things. So like you'd go along, you'd get paired with people, you'd work on the script for the day and then you perform in the evening. And we both were going through a little period of about six months of doing a lot of things, wanting to be seen and meet new people and mainly writers and directors. And all these events were like really badly run or like, yeah, they just, and we came away thinking like, what can we do? Like what, like what will serve us as like you know actors and also producers potentially producers at that point um and also like for people that are part of this community so we set up this production company called scripted um and the year before lockdown we did two theatre projects so a friend of mine that I'd worked with running workshops at the old big theatre Tom Wright he's a really cool writer had a script knocking around and he wanted to workshop it and then we did another uh script with a, a friend of Emma's who was working on a script as well so we just basically workshop these plays but we also got arts council funding um for the second project with Tom we got like ten thousand pounds it was amazing like we could pay our actors we got some rehearsal space we did like a little sharing and it was great it was really good but I think at the end of that and it was just before Covid so it was like the September of 2019 and we moved into you know this crazy kind of world that we're sort of currently still living in um we realized that whilst it was great there just there didn't seem big enough need for it and there wasn't money there and like funding there um so through lockdown we just basically started to bash out things and I think I just finished on last night in Soho um and we were both really excited about doing stuff for something for screen 
so through lockdown we knocked about a few ideas we started to work on a with a writer two writers actually who are sisters on a project that we've just titled budgie um so we're currently working on that it's about two um sisters who basically are estranged and they go back to their parents house because their final parent has died and they basically go back to uh retrieve this budgie and work out who's going to get it and it's kind of a bit of a dark comedy so that's kind of ticking along and then we've got another idea that we're just starting to speak about so next year we're hoping to make our first short um it'll probably be like super low budget we won't enter into festivals but i think it would just be a platform and then um, we've got something in mind after that to do sort of 15 minutes, maybe enter into film festivals, try and collaborate with someone that's like really like hot and up and coming. Um, and yeah, a bigger scaled project basically. Um, I think lockdown taught us both that like, you know, we you can do these things, you can make these things happen. Um, and that TV and the TV is for us sort of seemed to be where it was happening. I think we just found like doing projects for theatre was was more difficult. Um, so kind of that's where we're at with that at the moment. So yeah, watch this space. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> was that always a um, goal of yours to kind of create this company or or a company of some kind or was it kind of after meeting uh, your partner that like it just the idea kind of grew I think it was definitely through meeting with Emma and I think probably it would be the same for you too like when you're working with somebody do your I guess your friends you know Emma and I are really close friends but we're also like colleagues you know we're work partners so I think it's really important when you find that person like yeah it's all about the relationship isn't it and like the dynamic and the duo that you two bring um and I think also as well like being really open and frank with one another um you know and thus far I think we've both been really respectful of our friendship mm -hmm. and also respectful of like our company um you know we've learned along the way and then we've had conversations with one another and we've discussed you know do's, future do's and don'ts and you know how we both felt collectively. So I think it's really important to uh, have conversations. But I do think going back to your que initial question, um, I think because of my background in production, I think it would just be silly not to use it. You know, mm -hmm. um, you know, I look at all these amazing women that are doing things like to quote Vanessa Kirby recently, I don't know if you read, but you know, she's got a deal with Netflix, I believe, yeah. you know, or a production company or, you know, I just think there's so much power in that. And, you know, yeah, yes, you can sit there and wait for the phone to ring. I mean, we all can, particularly if you're an actor or you're an artist, but I just think there's, it's, I think there's just more fulfillment in making your own stuff and power um, and purpose. I think so much of us lack purpose in this industry when you're not busy and you don't feel like I'm holding my fingers now but like quotation like when you don't feel like an actor because you're not working like the majority of the time a lot of us aren't working versus when we are working so I think it's given us both purpose and also because of the connections that I have and the understanding of that production world and also now being an actor I really feel like you know the two of them you know they marry together and hopefully Emma and I can use that and and start making some cool things and and bring other people along on the ride it's not just for the two of us like 
you know, we set up this company to work collaboratively with other people. So, you know, we definitely want to do that and make sure that we can make stuff that encompasses that and bring in other people. So, yeah. I love it. That was a very long-winded answer. <laughs> no, it was great. <laughs> no, it was fantastic. I, I honestly, uh, it's really nice to hear uh, just the word collaboration. I feel like there's a lot of that going around, at least in the last two years, especially in in the century on both sides of the globe. But have you, you know, worked this solidly with somebody else before, or is this your first sort of, you know, uh, successful? Like, oh, it just feels right sort of collaboration with somebody else what, what's your history with just collaboration as a whole when it comes to your own project so to speak mm. no this is the first time that I've worked with somebody but I think first and foremost we were friends so I think that helped um and I think we you know it wasn't something that we like rushed into I think we had conversations with one another and we're both collectively feeling maybe a little bit frustrated or felt like we wanted to do more um I think a big part of it is trust and I think we both trust each other and I think you can only really go on your instincts and your gut can't you um you know and and I really admire Emma you know who who I work with with scripted um you know I admire her as an actor she's incredibly talented she's really smart and I think we have the same taste which I think is really important um when you're you know working together particularly if you're looking to be making stuff you know like it wouldn't work very well if one wanted to make like horror and <laughs> the other one wanted to make like rom-coms you know so we we have the same taste which I think is really helpful and when we meet people you know like if we'll go I mean not so much in the last few years but you know if you meet someone or you're for a coffee or you go for a chat and like I think we both always come away feeling the same feeling like mm, that was good that was interesting or, mm, not so you know, so I think finding that person is really important. So yeah, it's my it's my first time sort of collaborating with someone. Um, I mean, we've collaborated with other people, obviously through other projects, but you know, it's been Emma and I sort of like hand in hand. Um, and there's been some hair raising moments, definitely. We've we've not we've learned we've learned along the way with that, definitely. Like I mean, my God, you know, cast contracts and budgets, and also when you're dealing with money, it's a completely different thing, isn't it? You know, and mm. With Arts Council, it's very um, it's a very time-consuming process to even get the funding in the first place, but also the paperwork that's involved afterwards. Um, I mean, we'd never done it before, so we were just completely learning on our feet. So, um, so yeah, so yeah, first first time collaborating with somebody, but yeah, we might continue. How about you guys? When did you guys? Um, yeah, what's your story? How do you know each other? uh yeah Steph well I'll, I'll let you I'll let you tell the story <laughs> you're better at telling a story than I am I get distracted <laughs> so uh uh I used to live um I was Tyler's girlfriend's roommate um mm. before they were dating and then uh they started dating and then Tyler moved in last summer August. summer 2020 yeah August of 2020 <laughs> and um and he like he and I hit it off right away you know he's like a little brother to me and um uh during lockdown he was just like Stephanie I've been thinking about you know starting a podcast because uh I just he listen he and Patrice never <laughs> ha don't have things in their ears like they are always listening to a pod I like don't understand how they can do other things while listening 
but they do. Um, and so he was like, I think I'm going to start a podcast and just interview all my friends. Do you want to, um, do you want to be on the, as on as a guest? And I was like, I think I should be a host with you. <laughs> and basically took over his idea. Um, but it's been awesome because I do feel like, uh, uh, you know, I don't have any experience in the film and TV world. And so it's, so fun when I get to talk to people who are in that. And I think Tyler really has limited experience in theater. And so he, he really mm. learns a lot. So it just kind of, you know, started out of both of us being unemployed and, yeah. and just wanted to talk to people. And also like, it's important to share with others, like how much our jobs are real jobs and how much we have been affected by this pandemic and, and um, how important, you know, all arts workers are and stuff. And so it just was, it became an important platform for us. Um, yeah. But it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Good, it's, I'm glad. It's, Sometimes it's, good things come out of like rubbish situations, don't they? Right. Oh, totally. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, and you mentioned this before the, the idea that, you know, when you're not working as an actor, you don't feel like an actor unless you're making something. And it doesn't have to be mm -hmm. something you're acting in, but that sense of purpose really does drop the second, you know, like you book something, you have your, your work for a couple of days and then you walk away going, okay, like, oh, maybe, maybe mm -hmm. this is it. It's going to, you know, snowball into something else. And then eight months goes by and you're, mm -hmm. you're just incredibly bored. So uh, yeah, during COVID having listened to uh, people like Justin Long and Michael Rosenbaum talk to their, their acting friends and associates about, what they're going through during COVID and their mental health and sort of going over their, their story. I thought it'd be really interesting to talk to people that are, you know, around the same sort of networking space when we, we haven't necessarily made it, so to speak. I don't know if anyone really knows when they make it, uh, mm -hmm. but talking to somebody about, Hey, what's your journey? Like, what are you doing right now? Uh, we can't go or anywhere or do anything. So what are you doing that to stay creative? So it's just, it's really cool. So uh, mm -hmm. I, I've probably sent 2000 plus emails to different people, different performers around the world in front of and behind the camera. And only I'd say it's a good amount, but 30% get back to us uh, wanting to be a part of this. And that 30% is that. fantastic. I honestly think it's, um, you know, it's a numbers game. It's, it's uh, uh, in the most American way I can put it, it's, it's being in high school and asking somebody out on a date that you don't necessarily know, but you think you know, uh, <laughs> and seeing how many no's you can get. Uh, but, you know, I just, I, I love talking to people about, especially in the arts, like I know nothing about theater. Uh, absolutely nothing. <laughs> Steph and I took us to see the Christmas Carol or a Christmas Carol uh, what, two weeks ago. It was fantastic. I love it. I love theater now. I understand it. I understand every part of it. Uh, <laughs> He's gonna be running a job in theater. Yeah, exactly. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. What's your experience? Well, I saw a Christmas Carol, so <laughs> I, I'm feeling pretty good about it. I'm fully qualified now. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, especially, you know, everything that you're doing. It is the sort of foundation as to why I wanted to start this podcast. You know, you are a performer, you're a creator, you're a filmmaker, you know, you, you enjoy working in theater and just constructing projects. So I knew, uh, at first, it sounds so weird. I'm going to get very weird for a second. 
the second I saw you in last night in Soho, I'm like, I have to talk to her. I have to interview oh, her. Nice. I need to, it sounds so like, <laughs> I don't know, uh, art housey to say, but, uh, you know, just wanting to hear your story. And now I, I know, like you said, trust your gut, trust your instinct. And well, that's, that's how I felt when your email came through. I was like, mm, I get a good vibe from you guys. Oh, uh, yay. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I promise we're not totally weird. Uh, <laughs> just a Very little weird. bit. <laughs> uh but you know we we've talked a lot about you know what what you're doing now what you've uh done to kind of rebuild your career as as an actor how did this all start for you when did you know you wanted to be a part of this industry or at least you know actor or do something in it when when was that for you um I guess I mean I danced and I sang quite a lot as a kid so I did like ballet and tap and modern. I mean, my mum just sent me and I just really loved it. I went on a Saturday and I think I gave it up when I was 16 when I was like in that cool phase of like, I'm so cool. Like I'm going to hang out with my friends because like who does ballet on a Saturday morning? It was like very much like that. And oh, just when you just feel like you, I did a lot of activities as a kid. Like I was really lucky, like I played the piano and I swam and like, you know, I had a lot of opportunities. It was amazing. I think I got to that age where I was just a bit like, I just want to hang out with my friends now. So I kind of gave it all up and I refused to sing. I wouldn't do anything. And then, but I knew that I still sort of had it in me that I wanted to do something in that world. I think I did some work experience, like they used to do it. But when you were 16, you used to have to do like two weeks compulsory work experience. So like in a, in a, you know, a place of work, wasn't paid for two weeks. And I think my mum's friend husband maybe like worked somewhere and then it was like this place that used to make like kids programs so I went and did like two weeks work experience and it was really fun oh and that was it I got sent out to set for the day so Billy Piper who is an amazing British actress I'm sure yeah. you both know her she was doing a show called well it was called and then it was renamed so it was called a ruby or the ruby in the smoke and it was like I think based on a set of books and it was this amazing period drama and I went out with this guy for a day who was a third AD on it. And he took me to the house in like the middle of nowhere. I was like up at like 5 a.m., like Billy Piper, like this huge dress, makeup, lights. And I was just like, this is amazing. Like, I want to do this. So I was just like, this is crazy. But then I think I didn't ever really have the confidence. And also, I think I don't come from an arts family. Like, hmm. my parents are quite working class. I mean, although I went to nice schools and like a nice school and I have a nice friends, like I don't come from the arts world. So I, I just didn't really know like how you got into that. And then in the end, I ended up going to obviously university and did a drama degree. So I think I was still kind of a bit like, mm, I want to do something, but I'm not quite sure how to navigate it. And then drama school just wasn't on my radar. And I think then it just snowballed into production because I'd obviously done work experience and my university had connections with the BBC. And I really loved it, but I just knew then that I loved that world, but doing production stuff wasn't for me. I loved this, like the being on set and I just love that feeling of, yeah, it's just, it's just for me, it just is, su it's just such a buzz. And like when I'm now just like, I want more of this. I want to be doing this like every day, <laughs> as most people do, like when you find something that you love. So um, yeah, that was how it started really, I think, as a kid, just, and I mean, I was never one of those kids that like, I wasn't the class clown or like I you know I wasn't a performer type kid but I loved singing and I'd make shows and I'd like talk to myself and like make up weird characters and I've got three brothers so 
you know, I'd be some weird cre- like character and they'd be the three people that were part of my story. And and my dad's quite, my dad in a very strange way is quite theatrical. Like he's, he's a real, like, I'd say quite a bloke, like, you know, um, but when we were kids, like he'd create these amazing characters. Like he was like, a, he'd like be a witch one night and like all these like weird things. So I think I just, I lived in quite a household where we were all quite sort of a bit zany and a bit, I don't know, I just, yeah, I just knew I had creative bones. So I think that's where it kind of came from. And then finally, I kind of felt found that this was my thing. So, yeah. And I mean, I think it's for most of us. I don't really know. I think unless you want to be a doctor or a dentist, I think it's quite a clear path. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, I kind of fell into it and fell out of it and back into it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. <laughs> um. Is there anything you do now? Like, again, like you were saying before, when you are, um, you know, auditioning a lot and, and, you know, and you obviously you have your production company and stuff, but is there anything else you have to do in between gigs or whatever to kind of not necessarily oh, yeah. make ends meet, but like what, <laughs> oh, like yeah. what are some Let of the, what are some of the side jobs you do Let or whatever, you. you know? If any of my friends ever listen to this, they'll laugh. I always call it as like the spinning plates and the juggling uh-huh. balls. I feel like I am forever, probably like most people that work in the arts and that are freelance. It's really hard. It's really hard. Um, it's hard for everyone. Like, uh, you know, you have to acknowledge that. Um, you know, I, yeah, I've done so many jobs, so many jobs. Like to, I basically lived at home for a very long time. So, um, yeah, just after drama school, I lived at home. So basically, I've done pretty much every job you could probably imagine. Um, but currently at the moment, I feel like this is sort of working for me. So I teach Pilates. Oh, nice. So um, Yeah, so I did that qualification before lockdown. So I, I did have a few private clients, but they've sort of dwindled off just because of various other reasons. But I teach in a, yo- in like a kind of yoga party studio. So I do that. Um, what else do I do? I also work for Dr. Martin's, the shoe company. So, um, yeah, so I basically do like PA stuff. Um, and at the moment that is my bread and butter. Um, I was really fortunate because I've worked on and off since drama school for them. Um, I bought a flat, so I've actually got a mortgage now. So I feel like a proper adult. Um, (laughs) so I'm like, oh yeah, I'm definitely adulting. So yeah, Dr. Martin's is kind of my thing. And, um, it's really difficult because I don't think there's any perfect thing. Like I've got a couple of friends or one friend in particular, Emma, who I run scripted with. And we're always like, what is the job that is like not going to exhaust you, but still pay you quite well so that you can live and that you can eat and that you can pay your bills. I just don't think there's that perfect scenario. So yeah, I'm still trying to find, find it. So if anyone's got the answer, please let me know. <laughs> I mean, I've done everything. I've done, I've done like flyering. I've done, uh, uh, just uh, honestly everything you could probably imagine I'm giving it a go but right now I'm yeah this is this is what I'm doing sort of financially um mm-hmm. I mean you have to I think you have to keep yourself sane and you've got to you've got to give yourself a life graph as well you know I, I feel like more so in the last years but especially since Covid hit I've definitely kind of like started to sort of reevaluate things and think like you've got to have things in place because a lot of my friends when COVID hit, like moved home or were on zero hour contracts where they worked at like theatres as ushers and things. And, you know, I don't know what it's like in the States, but 
that was a lot of people's situations here. So I think I'm just very aware of like, okay, you've got to be sensible and like have some sort of proper income coming in because you can't always rely on acting work. And when you get it, it's nice and it pays well, but you know, it's not for 365 days of the year. So <laughs> yeah. How about you guys? Have you got other, I mean, stage management, obviously stuff is, is that your main thing? That is my main thing. And I'm grateful enough now that the, the contract I'm on is, is paying me a living wage. So I don't have to do um, other work, but, um, and it's a longer run, which is nice, but um, I will be, you know, I often substitute teach um, mm -hmm. and um, I've never, the last time I did service industry or retail uh, was like over five years ago. So I've thankfully been able to avoid that. Um, but it is, it's hard and it's, it's harder as, as a stage manager, because you're there for longer hours than the actors are. Mm -hmm. And also you kind of have to be on call a little bit more than the end. So it's, it's a trickier thing to figure out. Um, I'm also, I'm really bad at like being able to kind of put all of my effort into multiple things. Like I'm, I'm so dedicated that it gets very stressful for me very quickly if I have to do multiple jobs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. Oh, I. And what about I, you, Tyler? I, um, I hug people for money. No, I. Uh, <laughs> you wish. I wish. I want your that's what I did. <laughs> no, I unfortunately am, you know, back in the service industry during, uh, during lockdown. I obtained another certification for personal training, which is what I've done on and off for the last like almost 10 years. And I, I love that part, but of course it's, it's very unstable now and <laughs> more so than it was before. And, uh, it doesn't pay that well. So I'm still playing around with that, but for right now I'm event coordinating for a, uh, for a brewery and also working behind the, oh, wow. the bar whenever, you know, I, I get a chance, which, you know, like you said, it, it pays my bills for the most part, but mm -hmm. it also gives me the flexibility to, you know, I'm working on the second series of a web series that I mm -hmm. made, you know, two years ago, I'm working on a show that we can hopefully pitch to Netflix. And, you know, there's all these different things, you know, the spinning plate thing, I completely agree. Cause every time I wake up, like, mm. okay, which plate shouldn't fall today? You know, it's yeah. just, yeah. it's yeah. insane. Which, which one am I on today? Yeah. It's like, it was a bit of that. It's like, yeah. Okay. And now this, and now that. Yeah. It's, it's, an industry where you're patting yourself on the head, rubbing your stomach, running a marathon, but also trying to <laughs> eat spaghetti with no hands at the same time. It's just like, it's messy, but it's, it, I mean, we do it for a reason, right? I mean, that, the fact that you're still able to, you know, like do PA work on, on a, on a show like that, of that caliber and still network with people and, and also work on your own projects. That's fantastic because I've talked to people after a lockdown who, who they gave up on the arts industry mm -hmm. they said i don't think it's ever going to come back i can't do it which i don't blame them you know they need a stable income but they're now working office jobs and completely unhappy mm -hmm. uh and now i feel like a <laughs> i feel like a drug dealer because i sneak in you know little pieces <laughs> of affirmations you know for them like hey come on back do you want to like, <laughs> you want to do a short come film back with to the dark me? side yeah like come do it we don't have really great craft services but we do have oreos um it's uh yeah They're always it's, a winner yeah exactly it's just it's very tough but i i i will say uh, i've told so many people this like 
it's true. I'm incredibly proud of you for, for sticking in the industry as much as you can and just creating your own content and working. And, and my, uh, it's not like, it's not a, a signature, um, saying or anything that I trademarked, but it's something I do believe in, which is like, don't give up. <laughs> like you keep doing it. Something will happen. Uh, we're not all going to be Julie Roberts or Brad Pitt. Uh, but you know, we can make a living out of this somehow. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, this has just been like, so cool to talk to you about what you're doing and who would have, who would have thought like this all spanned from an email like hey you want to come talk <laughs> about yourself for like an hour and, a, and some change? have you had many have you had many brits oh yeah i'd say like oh you have okay i know i scanned three but i was like wondering yeah almost half maybe if not a little bit uh, less there's a lot of brits <laughs> uh, we, it, it was yeah. funny we got very popular in 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 the uk somehow um but it's been it's been lovely um yeah it's uh kind of jumping off of what tyler was just saying like you have a piece of advice or a a mantra that you kind of um think about a lot or or would want to share with people who are in a similar situation as you yeah um i mean don't give up is a massive thing i mean i've definitely had moments yeah, in the last year or two years, the last two years, you know, when things look a bit bleak and, you know, mo- t- times, you know, you might not get anything for a month, two months, and then all of a sudden it's like buses and it all flies in, you know, and that's, you. I think you have to kind of hold on to that feeling. Um, and also a big one that I tell myself, and I say it to friends as well, like, you know, if something's not working for you, like, just direct your focus elsewhere, you know, whether that's, working an extra shift in the bar or you know going back to stay with your parents for a couple of weeks or whatever it is like something that diverts your focus away from it because I think it can come become all-consuming and I'm so aware of that I'm not that not you know I'm not letting that happen to me um and I think the final thing is and I'm still really working on this is only you can be your own like you can only fly your own flag and you can you know you are your own cheerleader and a, and a friend actually who I met at Doctors, who's a casting director, she's worked on some amazing projects. She's a really great friend, but she's also an amazing casting director. And she said to me once, she was like, you've got to believe in yourself. Like, you know, you, you can only fly that flag. And I always try and hold on to that because I think this industry is quite brutal. It's amazing when you're involved in it, but it can be quite brutal otherwise. And I think in those moments of like self-doubt and you know, maybe low self-esteem or not feeling like this is going to happen for yourself. I just always think, just keep flying that flag, get it up, do a power pose, whatever it is you need to do. Um, and just, you know, remind yourself that there's a place for you in this industry. So yeah, that would be my, my advice. I'm going to, yeah, I'll, I will take the flag part. That's. <laughs> I think that... you can apply it to anything. anything. Yeah. Sure. That needs yeah. to be on one of those inspirational sort of graphic frame posters you see in and really fluorescently lit offices. Oh, I like that. <laughs> uh, and Our new merch, Tyler, is is a new P- PWRP flag. Fire, <laughs> <laughs> <The> fire flag. <laughs> exactly. Well, in a year's time, I want to see those. <laughs> Act I now, we know. only have 300,000 more. <laughs> uh, uh, and also... Supplementing that question, do you have any sort of party story uh, that you could regale us with? Uh, whether it's uh, it doesn't have to be anything bad, 
but something that may have happened during your, uh, say, your tenure at drama school or on a set that you just could not believe was happening and you were going to hold on to that story for the rest of your life. Do you have anything like that you're willing awesome to share with us? Story. What, like something like, like a bit, uh, we say a, a bit naughty or <laughs> one, one that you would share at a party to kind of like tell non-film theater folk like what your what your life is like and how how crazy it can be sometimes because like that's the, that's the industry you know like um no not really I mean I have a few moments but I don't think they're necessarily like one that stands out because I think it sums it up quite well, the industry, is that they always say never work with kids and never work with animals. And I remember it was my first day and last night in Soho. And I was in the middle of London, outside Liberty, which is a very famous department store. And it was crazy. It was like pre-COVID, absolutely crazy. And this photographer was trying to take a photo of me, Peggy, who plays the man, and this baby. And she was just screaming, absolutely screaming. It looked like I'd kidnapped this child. So everyone was looking at me, being like, why is that girl just standing there in very odd gear? I didn't quite look like, I looked like I was from the 90s. Strange hair, obviously, because it was, it was a wig, I think. And this girl was just crying and her mum and dad wouldn't leave her. And then they were like trying to ply her with ice cream. And like, honestly, it went on for about an hour and they tried to take the photos and they were like, these are just completely unusable. She had like ice cream all around her mouth. She was like streaming in floods of tears. She was just crying for mummy. And I was just like holding her being like, oh my God, I feel like a terrible person. <laughs> So yeah, that's the first thing that comes to mind. But yeah, I can't I can't think about crazy. Maybe some stories that I probably shouldn't say, so I'll, I'll, I'll keep it kosher. <laughs> that's <fair. laughs> but that's exactly what we, we want. Yeah. Like I yeah. Never work with kids, never work with animals. That's yeah, it. yes. That is a the lady that I worked with that day, she's Rita Tushingham, who's also in the film and she's like an old hand. She's been around for years. And she she looked at me and said say like, No, you know, never work with kids, Amy. Just no, no. <laughs> No, it's just like, we just collectively knew what one another were thinking. So yeah, that's my, that's my crazy set story. <laughs> I love that. <sighs> like oh, actually, I can give you another that. one actually as well that was also from last night in Soho. In the oh, last yeah. scene, I Edgar was like, uh, I, I was in isolation because um, we went back to reshoot. So we're all in these crazy houses in the middle of nowhere, isolating. And he... I spoke to him, he's like, oh, okay, we'll see you tomorrow. He's like, also, if you have a pair of high heels, can you practice walking in heels? And I was like, why? And he's like, you might put you in these shoes. And I was like, okay. So I got there and basically for the last scene, I had to walk behind the camera and follow Thomas and Mackenzie. And they gave me these platforms that were like, literally, oh, yeah, I'm holding up my hand. So about seven inches. It was like a, it was a, it was like a platform boot. I had to walk and then duck below the camera to like turn around. And I must've done this about 30 or 40 times, but I'd never walked in these shoes before. So I was like, talk about being thrown into like, holy, fire. I would have broken an ankle. <laughs> I don't know how I didn't. And everyone was like, are you okay in those shoes? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. And inside I was just like, oh my God, if I hurt myself, like, you know, I don't want to be the person that like, you know, ruins the day on set. So I was just like shuffling along in these, what, I don't know what they were, but yeah, I've never seen anything like it. Oh my god so yeah watch out was you it might get for was, was the height for the shot or were they like shoes specific that the character would have like like were the shoes in the shot it was for was the shot like, 
Ah, yeah, no. it was for the shot because I think they wanted me to be a bit taller and for the eye lines to match. So um, oh, it was crazy. Yeah. When they came along, they were like, are you going to be all right? And I was like, well, I'm going to have to be, aren't I? <laughs> oh, my Lord. Yeah, you, you can't I'm really like, voice any concerns. Can I just stand on a rolly box and have someone push me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I should have asked that. Now I know. <laughs> I, oh, I can't wait to watch that again now. <laughs> now that. you know. Now you know. <laughs> she looks so regal and and proud oh that's just general fear <laughs> oh my god wow i mean i've never worn heels a day in my life but i couldn't imagine i didn't even know that existed i didn't even know it was a thing so yeah there you go. yeah oh would you say putting in uh you know a moment like that and not complaining about it do you think you're in edgar's good graces <laughs> Oh, I hope so. I hope so. I mean, to be fair, he he had bigger fish to fry that day. I mean, sure. my shoes my shoes were the last to be the worries. But I did actually there's a very sweet choreographer that worked in it, movement director Jen, and she was really sweet. She was just like, you know, kind of like made sure that I was okay in between every take oh. and like in the shoes. And I was like, thank God for you. <laughs> so um, yeah, no, he had bigger fish to fry. But yeah, yeah, hopefully, yeah, I got some brownie points. <laughs> so. Um, Along with this episode, which is just been fantastic, by the way, and we, you know, we're very thankful that you're here. Do you have anything um, outside of, we've talked about last night in Soho for like an hour, uh, but do you have anything? We, no, no, that's, <laughs> that's a good thing. I feel bad about it because <laughs> um, I want everybody to see the movie. But do you have anything you would like for us for, to uh, promote during this episode uh, for all the social media pushes and everything? Um, obviously, your your production company, right? Can we promote that for you? Yeah, of course you can. I am really bad on social media. I'm really, I actively don't do it. And I'm all for other people doing it. But yeah, I just, it's just not my thing. So you can cheer whatever you like, but I probably, I'm rich. I'm just terrible on it. I have a Twitter account and I don't think I've tweeted since like 2016. <laughs> and the same for Instagram. Whenever people add me, I'm just like, nah. I just, I just don't really engage in it. So um, it's probably a bad thing. I mean, maybe I should do more because I see a lot of people using it here and I'm like, is it helpful? Like, is it a helpful tool for your career? Um, yeah, so I have a very low lying presence on social media. I like to be um, a bit, what's the word? Um, sort of inconspicuous. Yeah. Say that again. Private. Yeah, private. Yeah. You're gonna say that again on some talk show in about five years' time. So yeah, right. I don't do social media. <laughs> I don't believe yeah, it. I've, I've got a whole team that does that. No, I'm very much joking. Very much joking. Very much joking. No, no. I just, just, just social media just isn't for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it works for some people, but yeah. No, yeah. you can do exactly what you like, but yeah. Um, no, nothing to promote. Yes, just your lovely self. <laughs> we'll just slip that into the the shout outs and promotions <laughs> uh, perfect well uh i do want to say again thank you so much for coming on to the show uh we have a few uh tiny things to do before we close out uh which also involves you for the close out of this episode so uh steph uh this is your awesome spiel that i always butcher my spiel and i'd just like Love to it. say before uh, you finish thank you so much for having me and um yeah course. it's been a pleasure and a joy to chat to you both Oh, yeah, it's been wonderful. <laughs> okay, well, friends, listeners, um, thank you once again for joining us. Um, we hope you loved this episode as much as we loved creating it. Um, please continue to follow us on social media, even though we are also not as good at it as we probably should be. I mean, I've kind of given up on Twitter. 
Um, but definitely Facebook and Instagram. You can follow us there at PWRP Podcast. Uh, that way you'll know who we've got uh, every week for our new episodes. And um, please continue to rate, review, like, and subscribe to us on all podcast platforms. Uh, share us with your friends and family. And um, if you want to support us financially, we do have a Patreon as well. Tyler? Uh, yes, a Patreon that we've also kind of dropped the ball on. We've also not year. done anything with, yes. Uh, there's no, there's no need that. for that. There's all sorts of special <laughs> things hidden away. Just donate more money. Uh, <laughs> we're going to, we're going to make those flags. <laughs> yeah, we'll make the, we'll, those will be the, for the Patreon. Uh, yeah. yeah. If you are somebody who is either, you know, trying to start in the arts industry or somebody who's been working in it for uh, a couple of years now. Uh, and you want to share your story and come talk to us, we'd love to have a conversation with you. So email us at pwrp.pod at gmail.com. We'll get back to you right away. We love talking to people. We love finding new friends and networking and, and talking about everyone's journey. So please, please, please do not be afraid to reach out because we will chat with you. Also, before we end this podcast, we always do a, an awkward goodbye, a verbal awkward goodbye, uh, if you will. So... <laughs> Amy, for this, I'm going to do a Wayne's World countdown from three silently. And then when I point, we're all going to do a very verbal, awkward goodbye. As awkward as you want to be about it. It could be quiet, could be loud, could be just gibberish. I don't know. But <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot of fun. It's a cool way to close everything out. So are you ready? I am. Okay. And... Bye. Bye.